Hi, this is Pastor Ricky Temple. Glad to have you with us on demand. Today we talk about James again, James chapter 2, where we talk about doing the work. Faith without works is dead. A lot of people like to talk about their faith and how much they believe God for things, but you can have faith that you're going to have money, but if you don't do the work, you can't have the money. You can have faith to have a great relationship, but if you don't pay the price and do the work, you won't have a good relationship. James is going to take us on a journey, and I want to show you how he says this is how you do the work, and there are benefits to doing the work. So stay with us. It's going to be a great study. Enjoy this. I'll come back and pray for you at the end. Enjoy this message. Back. Glad you're with us today. It's time to roll up your sleeves. Let's get to it. We got work to do in the book of James. Uh, I want to just, as you join me in rolling up your sleeves, I want to show you some things that I think are profound. I think this is one of the best books in the Bible because it gets down to the work side of it. A lot of people talk about their faith, but they never do anything. And so it's easy to just talk. As a matter of fact, part of what I'll talk about in the coming months is doing it, not just talking about it. How many things do you talk about and how many things do you really follow through? Do you get all the way to the destination? If you don't act on it, it's, it's just words. And it's a challenge for me sometimes to, to make sure that I'm on track. I have to get a things to do list to make sure I'm on track because I'll, I'll get off. I'll get distracted by stuff. And I, I won't always stay in the pocket. So I want you to think with me in James chapter one, and I want to show you three things that I think would help us kind of help us develop a more consistent work ethic that will transform our life. Now, let's be clear about a couple of things. Number one, the sermon is not about earning your salvation. This is not about trying to impress God because he already knows you. That's very hard to do. So let's not start there. Let's just jump in the book of James and let me just describe for you three ways he say we should approach the work. Three things he says. James, starting in James chapter one, verse 19. These three things are number one, we're to listen without being angry. Number two, listen, lay aside our inconsistency in our life. And number three, tell ourselves the truth. That's a big one. Can't lie. If you're going to do the work, if you really want to go forward, you want to really apply yourself to advancing, and you want to make sure you're not just a person who talks faith, but you're actually doing the work, you know, because later on he'll say to us in James 2, faith without works is dead. You cannot go around saying, I'm a great believer, but you don't have any works or actions to verify it. I want to be whatever, but your works and actions don't verify it. I'm going to be a great student, but you don't study. Faith without works is dead. So this, is, the book, this book pushes you to stop talking. He says, I need you to, to get to it. And so listen to chapter 1 of James, chapter 1, verse 19. He says, so then, my, dear, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So the first thing he says is, if you're going to do the work, you can't do the work angry. You have to learn how to be a person who listens without being angry, slow to speak, quick to hear, and slow to anger. You're not running and ripping and roaring. You are a person who's calm, listening. That's the way you approach the work. I, I've learned that if I'm angry, I don't do well. I don't work well. If I'm angry at people, if I'm angry in my sermons, I've seen preachers preach messages and they're mad. You're going to hell. I mean, it's like, okay, calm down. At least, you know, don't smile when you say it. There's this anger and this angst that doesn't help. So the first thing he says in James is do it without being angry. Be calm. Be, be, be collected. Don't 
don't become an angry person in your work. Number two, he says, don't be inconsistent. Look at verse 20, 21. He says this, therefore, lay aside filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But he does, he be doers rather of the word and not hearers only. And notice this now, he says, deceiving yourself. If you are a hearer of the word and not a doer, if you're inconsistent, the statement is so profound. He says, you are absolutely deceiving yourself. You are manipulating, fooling, tricking you. You're just tricking you. Then he goes to this third thing, which is really profound. You got to tell yourself the truth. Here's what he says in verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing himself, his natural face rather, in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forget what kind of man he was. There's something about being willing to look at yourself and say, okay, I need to do this. I need to get going here. I need to be consistent, but I need to be honest about what I see. I need to say, you know, I'm not that organized. I have a temper problem. You know, I, I, tend, to don't man I tend not to manage money well. I tend not to save. I tend to be too generous. I don't know what the issue is. But if you're going to do the work, you have to put all three of these together. You got to look at your temperament. You got to look at your consistency, and you got to make sure you're being honest. Sometimes you're overworking and you're not honest. Now, there are benefits to getting this right, and I want to list them for you. The first thing he says is you'll be blessed, verse 25 of James chapter 1. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. He compares looking into the mirror to looking into the word, and he calls it the perfect law of liberty. If you look into the word and you see yourself and you make the adjustments, then there are benefits. You get blessed. Good things come to you. That's what that means. You, get, you know, good things happen. But if anyone among you, verse 26, thinks he's a religious person and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's neglect, religion rather, is useless. You can be a religious person, but if you're not consistent, if you, you're just talking, and it doesn't matter. If you're not consistent, if you're not doing what you should do, you don't get the benefits. A lot of us think that because we are religious, right, because we say things, but we, don't have, we can say anything we want. You know, if you're a religious person, you don't bridle your tongue. You, you don't get what you think you're going to get. There's something really important about knowing how this works and, and how this does not work. The blessings come to your life when you do the work with the right attitude. When you come to the work and you understand, man, if I do this right, I'll be blessed. That'd be a benefit for me. And it's been amazingly true in my life and at seasons I've seen doing it right. God blesses me. God opens the door. God makes a way. I think that's what happens when you face the chronic crisis we're facing today. You do it right, you get blessed. You focus. You do what you're supposed to do. You live within the boundaries you need to live within. You end up with, with a better result. As a nation, that's true. When we do what we're supposed to do, we all band together, blessed things happen. When we don't, things don't go right. Things go off the cliff because we didn't band together. A house divided cannot stand. That's important. So please understand, you've got to do the work without anger. You've got to be consistent. You've got to tell the truth. And if you do that, then the benefit is you get blessed. And then secondly, second benefit is you'll make a difference in the world. Look what he says in verse 27 of chapter 1. He said, pure... <laughs> An undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, 
If you want to know what real religion is, what real transformation is, what a real work of God is, you help the widows and the orphans. <laughs> you practically help people. You make a difference in the world. I don't know that some of us are um, too impressed with um, our religious gatherings, our religious titles, our religious words and actions and gifts. While the people around us are hungry and starving and struggling, the real work that God's trying to get us to do is work that's transformational. It helps people. It doesn't matter if I'm saved, if I'm right with God. That, that doesn't matter if, in fact, I'm not helping anybody. It's just me. I'm, it's all about me. That's not what this is about. Rolling your sleeves up is about you making a difference in the world. The whole reason you're not angry, you're consistent, you're truthful, the whole reason you're blessed is so that you can make a difference in the world, to be honest with you, because nothing else really matters. So you have a nice house, nice car, big church, a lot of people listen to you speak. Uh, so what? I mean, I have to really watch this in my heart because my, my temptation is to think that I'm successful if I'm talking to thousands of people in person and they're all cheering me on and, and the room is full and the cameras are panning in and out and that's success. But in reality, it doesn't matter if I'm not feeding the widows and the orphans. If the people who are hurting are not being helped by my presence, why, why am I here? At some point, that becomes the measurement of true success. For a lot of us, we've lost our way. And we're really trying to become, quote, big in God, whatever that means. We're trying to blow up and talk about our numbers. I mean, I'm not against numbers. I keep up with all that stuff. But that's not what this is about. And that brings me to the last part of the sermon, which is what hinders, hinders the, um, the, um, the benefits, what stops this from working. There are certain things you can do that can stop God's best from happening in your life. And one of them is bad behavior. In, in verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, there's this incredible comment that he makes that's just stunning. It's, it's, um, it leaves you with this incredible um, insight about the things that can hurt us. And I want you to look at this and think about our nation, think about the current events, think about the things around us, and see if it relates. This is what he said in James chapter 4, verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from desires that battle within you? Your desires, you desire, but do not have. You kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Pause for a minute. Think about that. It's all bad behavior. The benefits of the work get lost when we get drowned in these things. Arguing and debating, fighting, quarreling, this religious talk, debate that I see, this, this high energy uh, <laughs> fighting and scrambling and struggling, even between the political parties in the name of religion, somehow all of a sudden, you know, the church is Republican or Democrat or the church is somehow a part of some group and, and we're just, just fighting and quarreling among each other with the wrong motive 
trying to win you over to my side, trying to get you to see my side. I don't want, I just want to help the orphans and the widows. I just want to help people know Christ. I want to help people, I want to help the world be fed. I want to do something practical. I don't want to spend my life quarreling and fighting. I, there's no value in that. Everybody loses. A house divided against itself doesn't stand. That's what the Bible says. Let me take to the next step because what he turns to is he says, let me show you another side of bad behavior. He talks about the quarreling and the fighting. And then he says, let me get down to the stuff that's behind the scenes. Verse 4, chapter 4 of, of James. He said, you're adulterous people. <laughs> you adulterous people. Don't you, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? In other words, you know, really, you guys have kind of all gotten away from God. And he's not really a part of this. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy to God. Or do you think Scripture says that, that, that without reason that, the that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace? God's, God's greatest passion for us is a relationship. I love this term he used, this Old Testament term in Gen Exodus 20 about God being a jealous God, this whole idea that God says, I really want a relationship with you, but you're adulterous. You've gone after other things. You've left me. I'm no longer a part of your focus. James chapter 4, verse 4, you're adult, you adulterous people. You're quarreling and fighting, looking for power, looking for who can up the other one. That's adultery in his mind. Adultery is the betrayal of a relationship. It's the betrayal of a covenant. You're married. I'm married to Diane, and to betray that covenant is adulterous. And here you are related and committed to God, and you've left God to become an important person. You've left God to become some significant political person. I'm not against politics at all. I want you to be clear about that. But I'm saying you cannot trade God for it. You cannot, you cannot say, you, you, can't, you cannot allow yourself to get so lost in all of that that you forget him. That's his problem, and it's called bad behavior. And that, my friend, is one of the things that hinders the benefits of doing the work. So you are doing the work, but you're doing it for the wrong motive. That's an important observation. He mentions that in verse 3 of chapter 4. He said, you, whenever you do this, you don't receive what you're asking for because your motives are wrong. What I have to watch for is where my motives are going. Where am I turning left and where am I turning right? What am I trying to do? And I almost think that we've lost our way, and then it, it gets to this next point. We make the wrong spiritual investments, which is what he says in verse 7 of chapter 4. You're not making the right spiritual investments. Submit yourselves then to God. He says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Pretty strong term, double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble, big statement, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Isn't that clear? That we don't have, we don't have the right to fight and bicker with each other. And let me tell you, if you look around us today, this isn't good. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the whole idea of unfair judgment, unfair, harsh judgment, criticism, this is not helpful. And then you combine that with the third thing he talks about, which is boasting in verse 13. Remember, he talks about the lack of spirituality. He talks about bad behavior. Those are the first two. Third thing he talks about is boasting. 
<laughs> Look at verse, verse 13. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into this or that city, spend a year here, there, carry on business and make money. Why do you not even know? Well, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. You're boasting. You're, you're, you're boasting against each other. I used, to, I used to, I don't know, I used to think my job and my assignment was to win a religious debate and some, or, or even some political debate, but mainly a religious debate with me. That was my thing. And, and some of you are boasting and you're dreaming and you're fighting and you're bad behavior and you're quarreling with each other. This is all bad. It's bad and our school system is bad and our politics is bad and our country is bad and our homes and our families. It's all bad. And if you're trying to do the work of God, that's not the way to do it. That's not what you need to have confidence in is your political party. I'm not, you just don't need to live. I'm not saying don't trust anybody. I'm saying our main priority is not those things. Those things have a place. One more time. Those things have a place. But if I am, have reduced my life to boasting, to quarreling and fighting, I've lost my way. And a lot of churches do this. Your whole church is now reduced to, guess what? Quarreling and fighting. And my friend, that's a tragic way to live. The Bible says something that's really profound. He says in verse 15, what is your life? <laughs> You're like a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say it's the Lord's will. You don't really know what you are. You really are just like a mist. Your whole life is... Is, is, is not much, and you need to not put all your faith in what you think will happen. You need to put your faith in him. Here's what he says in verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And it is, you're, you, you're, you boast in your arrogant schemes, he says. <laughs> and such boasting is evil. You become boasters, prideful. You become overly engaged with life in a way that's not healthy, and you've lost your way. At some point, you need to pause, check yourself, look in your heart, and ask yourself, have I lost my way? I think we have. We're trying to do the work, but we're trying to do it in a way that's not going to be, be beneficial to anybody if it's all centered around quarreling and arguing. arguing. I believe, if anything, it's time for us to stop. I want to stop now and pray. Because to some of you, you'd say that's exactly what we've become. Quarlers and fighters. Bickerers and arguers. Let's pray. Father, I believe with all my heart, if anyone knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, like verse 17 says, they're wrong. Help us, Lord God, to change our attitudes. Help us to change our approach. Help us to not get lost in the mud and the struggle of today. It is our job, God, to make a difference in the world. It's our job, God, to help people. It's our job to listen without being angry. It's our job to be consistent. It's our, God, it's our job to tell the truth. It's our job, Lord God, to be people who want to make a real bona fide difference. But that requires us to check our attitudes and our behaviors. If we're quarreling and fighting and arguing, if we become adulterous people where we've left God and we become these people who are chasing after power and we're making wrong investments, we're hurting people, 
we're hurting ourselves, then God, that's not the work. You want us to have, you said, pure hands. You said you want us to wash our hands, wash our pure hearts. You want us to submit ourselves to God. You want us to be transformed by your power. So I pray today in Jesus' name that we would leave this conversation with an open heart and an open mind and get back to doing the work the way you called us to do it, with the right attitude. I pray for peace in our land. I pray for unity in our land. And I pray that the spirit of the living God would bring healing to the season of pain and confusion and that we learn to band together. And that, Lord God, is what I pray. Believing today you're going to make a difference in this atmosphere. We pray against fear. We pray against insecurity. We pray against doubt. We pray against stubbornness. We pray that people could repent and change where they need to. And where they've been wrong, they can back up and acknowledge it and go forward with the right thing. I speak against, Lord God, insecurity. And I pray that we would do the work, what we need to do to get it right, that we take a deep breath and go and do the work the right way. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, I also thank you for those who are listening to this who said, you know, I've been away from God too long and I need to walk with God, I need to get my life right. Let this be that transformative moment in their life where they will never be the same, where they surrender their lives to Jesus and say, I want you, Lord, in my life. I lift up all of those who've gone through the loss of loved ones. I lift up all of those who are grieving today, but they know they've been away from God. And so, God, I pray this would be that transforming moment. In the midst of this pain, in the midst of this loss, heal them, lift them, lift our nation, lift our people. I declare by faith, that this is a time where we will do the work the right way because we've come to see our sin, see ourselves, and now it's time to do it right. Some fathers, some mothers, some people, some pastors, some leaders, some, some political leaders, some, some activists, all are beginning to see their wrong, their, their need for adjustment. And we thank you and we praise you for your presence and your protection in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, thank you for being with me today. Thanks to you for rolling up your sleeves with me. I pray that you would take this message today and allow it to bring healing to you. And I want you to know that God's able. God is able to bless you. God is able to heal you, and God is able to lift you. So I want you to do this for me. I want you to, if you raise your hand and you prayed that prayer with me, I want you to say, Jesus, this is the moment that I acknowledge my need for you. And today I want to make sure that I don't forget. I got to go. My time is up. I hope you enjoyed this. And thank you for being with us. We like the once a month gathering when we get together and hang out together. It's a fun time. Every first Sunday we have a live in-person service. Come out to that. Don't miss it. It's a great opportunity to let you know when we have our next one. Every first Sunday, live drive-in at the property here on Middle Ground Road in Savannah, Georgia. If you're in town, love to have you come. If not, see you on our digital platforms. And make sure you know we have tons of on-demand stuff you can go and see. Tons of you watch on-demand. A large percentage of you watch on-demand all the time anyway. So thank you for watching. Thank you for being with us. I'll see you next time. You have a great day. Be blessed. And remember, Jesus loves you. Bye-bye next time. See you next time. Well, that's a sobering message I hope you heard today. I hope you understand the power of doing the work. So let me pray for you. Father, let this be a moment where they hear the word, where they respond with an open heart. And may this be the thing that breaks down this habit of not getting it done. And may they understand the power of doing the right thing, the benefits that come from doing the right thing. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being with us today. I pray this message blessed you, that you link it and send it to a friend. And I want you to know we'll be back next time. We've got more to talk about. I want you to do the work so you can have the blessings in your life. See you next time. Bye-bye.